You're listening to the Daily Sweat Podcast, where we are all about doing something that makes you sweat every single day. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Daily Sweat Podcast. I'm your host, Ariana, as I'm sure you're aware if you are listening to this. And I'm super excited to be here with you today. This is our 10th episode here on the Daily Sweat Podcast, doing a little happy dance. And it's also our last episode of 2017. So I've been wanting to do this episode for a little while, and it's just been such a crazy couple of weeks with the holidays and um, you know wrapping up all that end of the year stuff. And I wasn't sure if this episode was actually going to make it, but I was determined to get that 10th episode in before the end of the year. And I took a lot of time yesterday to really sit and think about what kind of content I want to create in 2018. I put up um, some little polls on Instagram stories and got some really great feedback from my community about what sorts of things um, they or you are looking for. So I'm really looking forward to bringing some great interviews in 2018 and to get more consistent with hopping on and sharing all this knowledge with you because I absolutely love podcasting. So that being said, at the time of recording this, it is currently 10.56 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Thursday, December 21st. Quick little side note on that, it is the winter solstice, so it is our shortest day of the year. So, you know, I know that a lot of people really do struggle with the um, shorter days, so you know the winter the nights get longer, our daylight hours get shorter. And then if you live here in Vancouver, you have like six months of rain and your city falls apart when it snows for an hour. Um, But after today, we're over the hump. So it's the longest day. And then after today, the days start to get longer. So we're almost there, friends. Um, Also, as I was saying about what the date is, so If you go to my Instagram stories, if you're listening to this before, I think like 2 p.m. on Thursday the 21st. If you go check out my Instagram stories, I'll still have those polls up. Um, and you can let me know, like, do you want to see full, uh, workouts or just fitness tips? Do you want full recipes or nutrition tips? Do you like spiritual woo woo stuff? Do you not give a shit? Do you like business? No. Um, but if you happen to go there and those polls are no longer up there, feel free to just like shoot me a DM or comment on my latest photo and just tell me like, what you want to learn about, who you want me to interview on the podcast. I would um, obviously do my best to get them on here, but me being a little small fry, I don't know if I can get any of those big names, but you never know. Um, So yeah, it's the last week before the holidays. It's crazy that it is December 21st. It honestly does not feel like Christmas. Um, And I don't know if it's because this year, uh, especially like this time of year, I've been a lot more isolated and not in a bad way. Like I am working out of my own studio now, whereas before I was in a gym. So, you know, I was seeing people like bringing cookies and um, boxes of chocolates and stuff like that. Whereas now it's really just like, I only see the people who I choose to interact with on a day-to-day basis, which is totally fine by me. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's just been weird. I I just haven't felt very Christmassy. And I'm really looking forward to going away for about a week and um, visiting my boyfriend's family and just kind of getting into that relaxed, chill mode because 
um, I would say that life has not been chill up to this point, and I'm sure you can relate. The holidays are always super crazy busy. So yeah, I'm looking forward to some downtime, and I hope that you get to have some too. Now, with this being the last episode of 2017, I thought it would be really fun to like jump on the bandwagon of like, I don't know, those lists of like top moments of 2017 or um, anticipating trends for 2018. Sorry, the word anticipating like totally fell out of my brain and I didn't know what I was looking for. Um, But what I decided to do is to share my picks for the top five health trends that need to die in 2018. And I know that sounds like kind of a harsh statement, but with a lot of these things, I've got some beef with them. And I do try to stay super positive and not spread a lot of negativity, but I do have a sassy side to me. And when I see things that I don't like, sometimes it drives me bonkers. And these five current health and fitness trends that I'm about to share definitely drive me insane. And I will share why. But then I'll also share a couple things that uh, I would really love to see continue blossoming in 2018. 2017 brought us a lot of garbage, as most years tend to do in health and wellness, but it also started to bring up some really great things and bring them more into the mainstream, and I'm really excited to see that continue for 2018. So let's get started here. So I've got five that I have chosen. And then there's just a couple smaller ones that my community, um, I reached out on Facebook and Instagram and within my personal network and just asked like, what do you want to not see in 2018? And I got some really fun answers. So in no order of like most shitty or least shitty, um, here are my top five health trends that need to disappear in 2018. Number one, is the ketogenic diet. I can just hear people like throwing their strips of bacon at me, like yelling at me, telling me how stupid I am and how keto is like the way to go. But hear me out for a moment. There is actually nothing inherently wrong with the ketogenic diet. I actually think that it is a great way of eating for people who are experiencing metabolic disorders, um, diabetes. You know, it's a very, it can be a very, effective diet when it is medically supervised or supervised by a knowledgeable health professional. And it can help for a lot of um, like diseases and disorders and things like that. Like I know people who have PCOS who have had a lot of success in reversing their symptoms with the ketogenic diet. And before I go into why I think that this needs to stop being a health trend in 2018, I want to quickly give you an overview of what the ketogenic diet actually is. So the ketogenic diet is a very low-carb, high-fat, and moderate-protein diet. It is similar to the Atkins diet, but proponents of the ketogenic diet will go on very large discussions about how different it is from the Atkins, and while it is different, it's kind of not, but it is still. Um, And essentially, like, it's not just a low-carb diet. Like, it is a very, very low-carb diet. And depending on the person, um, we're looking at anywhere from, like, 30 grams, 30 grams of net carbs per day, 30 net grams, 30 net grams of carbs per day to 5 net grams of carbs per day. And when we say net grams, like, let's say you eat a meal that has 15 grams of carbohydrates in it, but there is 5 grams of fiber, you're actually only consuming or 
digesting 10 grams of carbohydrates because the five grams of fiber is not digestible. So it's going to go through your body. It's going to pull some stuff out. It's going to keep you regular. Fiber is great. Um, so when we're looking at like 25 say we're having consuming 25 net grams of carbs, you're probably having more than that, but there's just some fiber that is not um, being absorbed by the body. So the idea behind the ketogenic diet and um, behind all low-carb diets, really, is that the body doesn't have enough carbohydrates to use for energy, so it begins to break down fats for energy. Now, the reason that the ketogenic diet differs from most other low-carb diets is that because the carbohydrate count is so low, um, when we go into that fat-burning mode, our body starts to produce ketones. Now, ketones are very important because they help prevent the breakdown of muscle. So this is a really, really important distinction because a lot of people are just thinking like, oh, I'm going to go keto and I'm just going to like cut down on my carbs. You have to be really meticulous with how low your carbohydrates are because you must be in ketosis for those ketones to prevent the breakdown of muscle. There's a very fine line between going super low carb and yes, losing weight as a result of that, but also losing muscle because your body is starting to use your muscles for, break down your muscle for energy. And then there is... On the other hand, being in ketosis from being on a very low carbohydrate diet and the presence of ketones in your body when you are in ketosis help prevent that breakdown of muscle, which obviously we do not want. When we are trying to lose weight, we want to preserve our muscle mass as much as possible because muscle is active tissue. It helps with your metabolism, not by a ton, but it definitely helps. But it also is just good to have on your body. You know, you don't want to like become a skeleton from your weight loss efforts and we want to keep our muscles. So being in ketosis is what makes the ketogenic diet different from the Atkins diet and other low-carb diets. So where the problem is, is that this ketogenic diet, which is a fantastic option when it is medically supervised or professionally supervised, is that it's become mainstream. And people don't really understand how to do it properly. So we've got low-carb Bob over there on his blog, like talking about how to do the ketogenic diet, and somebody reads it and thinks, okay, cool, so like I'm just going to eat bacon all the time, and I'm not going to eat any carbs. So then they go and do that, but then they like eat a muffin, and they forget about it, or they eat a donut after work, they go out for dinner and have a beer with it. All of those things take you out of ketosis, but you're still not consuming a lot of carbohydrates, so now you're just basically fucking up your body because you... You are on a super low-carb diet, you're not in ketosis, so you're not producing those ketones, which prevents the breakdown of muscle, and you're just going to feel like shit and you're not going to get the results that you're looking for. So you must be specific or meticulous with your specific macros for your body. And by macros, we mean your protein, your carbohydrates, your fats, your macronutrients. You can do some serious harm to your body if you are not monitoring these properly. And there are different calculators online that can, um, you know, you put in your weight, your body fat percentage, your height, your activity levels, all these different things. Just like there were, if it fits your macros calculators, like way back in the day when that was the super popular diet, now there's like a ketogenic macro calculator. And you just enter all that information in and it tells you how many grams of protein, how many grams of carbs, and how many grams of fat you should be consuming in a day. 
And it will get specific about like your net grams of carbs. Even then, none of that is a guarantee that it will actually work for you because we are all different. And a computer generated calculator cannot tell you what you specifically need in your body. You can definitely start to experiment with it and play around with things and be like, okay, how does this feel? How does that feel? I feel like crap. Oh, I feel like super crap. Um, But I, I really do believe that for the vast majority of people, experimenting with what their bodies actually need on a ketogenic diet is not really a sustainable solution because you are going to feel like crap. I don't know if you've ever tried to go on a low carb diet. I did it for like six hours and it sucked. Um, but your body, like you start to feel low on energy because your brain uses carbohydrates for energy. That is its preferred source of fuel. Same with your body. Like your body prefers carbs. So until you can actually switch into that fat burning state, you're going to have a really tough transition time. And for some people, this is fine. Like, you know, they're dedicated. They don't necessarily have a demanding job or they're just in a different headspace and they're able to put up with it. But for the vast majority of people who are using the ketogenic diet specifically as a way to lose weight and nothing else, and they've got kids and demanding jobs and life stressors and all of these different things that require mental energy, it's going to be really challenging to first experiment with your macros to find what actually works for you and your body, but then to be able to stick with it. And that's really why I don't like the ketogenic diet because it's not sustainable for most people to stick with and it ends up doing more harm than good. I was sitting at Starbucks like probably about a month ago and I was listening to the this barista talk to another girl that he was working with and he's talking to her about being on the keto diet while he's making himself an almond milk flat white. And I just wanted to like shake my head and walk over to him and be like, don't drink the almond milk flat white. There's sugar in your almond milk. You're not going on the ketogenic diet if you're drinking an almond milk flat white. As you can see, I get very heated about things like this because it's unfortunate. You know, I love, love, love the internet because we can connect with people all over the world. We can share information. We can learn so much. I would not be able to do what I do for a living if it were not for the internet. The flip side of that is that anybody can go on and share information. And a lot of the time this information is shared from a very... um, like, what's the word that I'm looking for? People are doing this with good intentions. You know, people aren't talking about the ketogenic diet with the intention of harming whoever ends up reading it. They're sharing all of this stuff from a good place. And at the end of the day, it really is up, it's our responsibility as consumers of information to do our due diligence and make sure that the information that we take and choose to implement in our own lives actually works for us. But let's be real. How many people actually do that? The vast majority of people just go online, read an article, and think, oh, cool, like this is going to work. I'm just going to cut out carbs. So that's why it drives me crazy. It also drives me crazy because like really to be, to know whether your body is in ketosis or not, you need to test it. So you can pee on these little strips. I think there's like saliva strips. You can do like a breath analysis because your breath gets a little stinky when you're in ketosis. Um, 
And a lot of people are not testing now. They're, and I even had somebody tell me, like, you don't have to test on the ketogenic diet. It's like, well, in the mainstream one where you're like not really actually knowing whether you're in ketosis or not, no, you don't have to test. But then you also don't know if you're hurting your body or if you're doing it any good. Okay. I can rant about this for a really long time, but I have four more things that I need to rant about. So I'm going to just leave it at that. Basically, message here is that the ketogenic diet can be a great diet when it is done under supervised conditions and under specific conditions that work for you and your fabulously unique body. But as a quick fix diet, uh uh-uh, let's get rid of it. Okay, going on to number two. The other health trend that I think needs to die for 2018 are Tabata workout classes. Now, if you have hung out with me in person or if you've tuned into some of my Facebook lives before, you will probably know my beef with Tabatas. Now, Tabatas in and of themselves, just like the ketogenic diet, are great. The Tabata style of interval training is a four-minute workout that consists of 20 seconds of incredibly high intensity work with 10 seconds of rest. You do that eight times total for a total of four minutes. And the Tabata, like when you're actually doing a true Tabata, it's a very effective way to condition both your aerobic and your anaerobic energy systems. So think like being able to condition yourself for like longer, kind of like more steady paced cardio, as well as short bursts of high intensity work. Like if you're a runner that wants to sprint at the finish line, or if you're a cyclist and you got to get yourself up this really steep portion of a mountain, Tabatas can help with that. And they were actually, um, this style of training was brought around by a Japanese scientist named Dr. Izumi Tabata. And he was working with the, I believe it was, I want to say Russian, but I'm think it was, I'm thinking Russian because I knew a Russian ski team. I think he was working with the Japanese Olympic ski team. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was a Japanese Olympic ski team, uh, speed skating team, speed skating, my mistake. And Basically, what he did was he divided his skaters into two groups, and there was one group, and he had them do 30 minutes of steady state cardio, so just like um, like a normal steady pace for 30 minutes five times a week. And then he had a group doing Tabatas, so four minutes of training. I think they did it like three times a week, and at the end of the study, the group who did the Tabata training improved their cardiovascular fitness just as much, and some of them even more than those that did the 30 minutes of steady state cardio five times a week. So 100 minutes versus 12 minutes. Which would you rather go for? Obviously the 12, or would you? So in order for a Tabata to actually be effective, you need to be working at 150% of your maximum effort. You need to be dying during those 20 seconds, so much so that those 10 seconds of rest feel like, like just a second and you don't get to recover. And that's the idea behind it is that it is such high intensity work with such a short rest period that your body is still working after the workout is over. So whereas with a steady state workout, you know, you do your 30 minutes of cardio, that's great, fine and dandy, and then when you're done, you hop off the treadmill or the bike, your body is no longer working. 
Whereas with Tabatas and other forms of high-intensity interval training, your body is still working at an elevated rate. It's working to recover. It is working to build your metabolism and to help with your cardiovascular system. So in their true form, Tabatas are amazing. What drives me absolutely insane is when I see a Tabata workout class listed on a schedule at a gym or a fitness center, and they're doing like... 10 rounds of Tabata squats and Tabata push-ups and Tabata pull-ups and Tabata lunges. Like, those aren't Tabatas. You can't work as hard as you need to be working in a true Tabata to do a push-up. Like, you just can't. Your body cannot work that hard. When you're doing a real Tabata, it needs to be done either doing like sprinting on a track or sprinting. I would even argue against sprinting on a treadmill because adjusting your speeds just isn't going to work. Spin bikes, um, if you've got like a hill that you can adequately like kind of distance your 20 second run up, things like that where you can get that really quick burst of intensity and then stop it right away so that you get that 10 second recovery. That is going to give you a true Tabata workout. You can't do that with a push-up or a squat. So all of these things, um, they are Tabata-style intervals. And it's really annoying and it's a really big mouthful when I tell my class that we're doing Tabata-style intervals today. But it's just because I can't tell them they're doing Tabatas because they're not doing Tabatas. Even with the battle rope, you're not doing a Tabata. So... The moral of the story here is that if you are actually doing a Tabata, you must be working incredibly hard because I hate to break it to you. You can't do four minutes of like push-ups and squats and sit-ups and say you did a Tabata and now you don't need to work out for like three more days. You know, the fact that you did that is great. It's better than nothing, but you're not really getting much conditioning from that, if anything. So... If you want to go around and like talk about doing Tabatas and stuff, even if they're just like actually Tabata style intervals, that's cool. I just want you to know what the distinction is so that you are not led to believe that you are doing proper Tabata training when you're doing like squats and push-ups and stuff in a class because you're not. And what ends up happening is that, you know, we're not, it's like that weird zone. So it's not hard enough that it needs to be short. No, it's like not so hard that you have to like cut it short, but it's hard enough that when you do it for long periods of time, like in a 45 minute workout class, your form is going to be really shitty by the end. So you end up running the risk of injuring yourself. If you're engaging in this kind of training all of the time, you're just going to throw your hormones out of whack because you're not going to give your body a proper chance to recover. And it's just a mess all around. So Tabatas are great if you want to intersperse them into your training um, at like infrequent levels and to do them properly through like bike sprints or sprints on a hill or on a track or something like that. So that's the scoop on Tabatas. Okay, third trend that needs to die in 2018 are miracle supplements. So I'm seeing a lot of things being toted as miracles these days. Um, Cleanses, shakes, pills, probiotics, shit that you like rub on your face and it's like miracle oil or something. I don't know. Apparently it's actually legit, but I, I don't know. When you call something miracle, I'm not into it. Um, But basically, everybody and their mother are coming out with new products on a daily basis, and they're talking about how this is going to revolutionize the world. And I call bullshit. I don't understand why Shake A is different than Shake B, because Shake A has a blend of like 47 different fruits and veggies and antioxidants, and then Shake B has like 48. Um, At the end of the day, a lot of these 
supplements and shakes and pills and everything that's being thrown our way, they're just garbage. You know, you can get a lot of these things from food. And every time I tell somebody this, when they invite me to join in their business selling um, such things, they tell me the story of like how our soil is not as nutrient dense these days and yada, yada, yada. And like, I get it. And I'm sure that I am deficient in some nutrients. However, taking a magical cure-all miracle cleanse that's going to like, I don't know, pull every single toxin out of my body in like five minutes, I don't think that's the answer because I don't think it's true. So I don't have a whole lot to say on this. You know, there's another side of these like miracle supplements that I could go on a rant on for hours and hours and hours, but we're not here to talk about business. We're talking about health and wellness trends today. So basically what I want you to do is like if somebody approaches you with this new miracle supplement or a shake that can solve all of your problems or anything like that, don't discredit it. Like just go in with a... Um, critical mind, if that, that's like a nice way of putting it. You know, like I'm always open to learning about different things, but again, kind of going back to the thing with the ketogenic diet, it's so easy for people to share information these days. And a lot of the time people are sharing information from a good place. It's something that was shared with them and a person who shared it with them was really excited. They got all passionate about it and now they want to share it with, with their friends too, which is cool. I'm all for sharing. It's unfortunate because a lot of the time, these people who are sharing this information about products that can help with your health and wellness, they're not actually trained in health and how the body works and how different um, enzymes and proteins and all of these different things are metabolized by the body and how they affect the body. So that's all I'm going to say on that is like, just be wary. Um, If something sounds like it's too good to be true, it probably is. Okay. Moving on to number four. Good. I'm glad these rants are getting shorter. I was a little worried when we hit 15 minutes at the end of the ketogenic diet. Okay. Number four, um, spin classes that have nothing to do with like actual cycling. So this is something that I have been seeing getting a lot more popular over the last couple of years. And different like boutique spin studios are popping up all over the place. And, you know, the music is super loud and the lights are all off and there's like 80 people crammed into a class. Okay, I'm sure it's not 80, but like there's a lot. And there's like no resistance on the bike and it's all about moving your feet really, 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 really fast or doing push-ups on the bike and using weights on the bike. And... I am happy that the people who are going to these classes are doing something. Again, as I've said before, doing something is better than nothing. But what really bothers me is that there are so many more effective ways of training your body than like flying your legs on a bike, waving around like five pound dumbbells. It's just, it doesn't do anything because when you're using such light weights, when you're riding a bike, you're like the two pound weights or the five pound weights. Like your purse weighs more than that. You, if you pick up a child, your child weighs more than that. I'm sure my cat weighs more than that. You're not really doing anything to train your upper body. Same thing with the push-ups. A, it's dangerous. If your foot slips out of your, um, like if it comes out of your clip or it slips out of the cage and that, um, pedal keeps moving, you can really hurt yourself. If you tip your bike over, if, you know, if you, it's just, it's not safe. And to do a push up on a bike, you're not really doing a push up. 
you know, you can do a push-up from your knees on the ground. You can do a push-up from your toes on the ground. You can do a push-up on a bench. You can put your hands against a wall if you need to. When you're doing a push-up on a bike while your legs are moving really fast, you're not doing a push-up. I, that's all I have to say about that. It's not a push-up. It's not. So there's that whole upper body training component, and it's now a full body workout because we're lifting weights while we're doing it. Well, you're not really lifting weights. You're flinging around something really light. You're not really doing push-ups. And then on top of that, you're just moving your legs really, really fast. You're not actually like getting a leg workout. And it, it bothers me from the standpoint of like, I am a cyclist and I really enjoy the like strength that I get from cycling and how my legs feel as I start to get more consistent with things and how they look as I'm doing more hill training. And it just feels really, really good. Um, and then these spin classes, like I know that they are not touted as helping you for your cycling, which is fine. They're there for more of like the experience, but they're not really that effective. Like you can burn a ton of calories, but I can also go do burpees for an hour and burn a ton of calories. It doesn't mean I'm having a super effective workout. And going back to what I had mentioned during the Tabata workouts and like throwing off your hormones and stuff. The same thing can happen with these. So if you're constantly going to one of these spin classes and they're advertising that you're going to burn a thousand calories in our workout and you work your ass off and you go back and you do that, say like five times a week, maybe even six days a week, it's a lot of really high stress work and it's very stressful on your body and your body doesn't get the opportunity to recover properly. And then that's when we start to experience endocrine issues, um, issues with the central nervous system. And sometimes they don't happen right away. Sometimes it takes a few years. Sometimes for some people, it doesn't happen at all. But for the vast majority of us, at some point or another, constantly engaging in incredibly high intensity work is not going to do your body any good. So if that's something that has been appealing to you or you love doing those classes. Like that's great. If it's something that you enjoy, sure. Keep doing it, but maybe try to balance it out. Find some more restorative activities to do, like throw some yoga in there or some weight training or something different. Um, I have a feeling these classes aren't going anywhere because I'm seeing new studios pop up left, right, and center, but that's okay. That's just the nature of popular fitness culture, I guess. Okay. And number five, the final health trend that I think needs to die for 2018 is bikini competitions and fitness competitions in general. Now, again, I have nothing against bodybuilding competitions. I am super impressed and very inspired by the amount of dedication and drive and determination that has to go into training for these. And I love watching the process of somebody completely transforming their body through the foods that they eat and the exercises that they do. However, as with the problem with like the keto diet and things like that, it's become mainstream. And you're getting a lot of people who aren't very knowledgeable about how the human body actually works who are now coaching people on doing competitions and specifically bikini competitions because it's pretty, pretty easy to just like drop your calories and like do your workouts. And I, I really hate to use the word easy, but it's, it's easier to do a bikini competition than it would be to do like a bodybuilding competition where you've got to like really, really beef it up. So a lot of people can get away with um, coaching these things without really knowing what they're doing. 
Similarly, a lot of girls can look on Instagram and see their favorite fitness um, competitors and be like, wow, I want to look like that. I need to lose some weight, so I'll just sign up for a bikini competition and it'll motivate me to lose weight. And that's really where the problem lies is not so much in like the actual, actual act of doing the competition itself, but more of the intention behind it. And it's the same with anything, you know, if you're losing weight specifically because you think you have to, and it'll make you more worthy of a human being, you're going to have a really rough time because you're going to find that that alone is not going to make you feel more worthy. Same thing with using a bikini competition as a weight, as a means to lose weight. Yes, you will probably lose weight, but what happens when the competition is over? You don't really learn anything about training and eating for life when you're training for a bikini competition. So when the competition's done and you've been restricting yourself for months and months and months and you have all of these foods at your disposal again, what do you think's going to happen to all that weight that you lost? It's probably going to come back. So that's that's the problem with them. And you know, I see so many stories on Instagram now and I don't know if people just use them as marketing or if it's actually legit. I would argue and be definitely willing to believe that these things are actually legit of people whose hormones and metabolisms have been completely screwed up by too much dieting and too much training while getting ready for a bikini competition and most fitness competitions in general. There are healthier ways to go about it. And those ways are not always apparent. You know, doing a bikini competition is not really a healthy endeavor. Just like when I go and train for my triathlons, like it's not necessarily healthy, Um, but there are healthier ways of doing these things. So it just really makes me sad to see a lot of girls, especially young girls think that, you know, they need to look a certain way. So they're going to do this competition to motivate them to look that way. And, you know, they end up screwing up their relationships with food and their bodies, and they end up really screwing up their bodies through this whole process. So my advice to you, if you're looking for a way to challenge yourself and you like legit want to do a bikini competition and you've got a great relationship with food and you don't have any body image issues, go ahead and do it and tell me all about it so I can cheer you on and like watch your progress. Um... But if you are doing it because you think it will motivate you to lose weight or you think that it's going to just like help you look like that girl you see on Instagram that you want to look like, please consider something else. Please, please, please. Because there's other ways to go about loving yourself that don't involve that. So those are the five trends that I would love to see die in 2018. So again, a lot of these are not inherently bad in and of themselves. It's just that when they're taken to mainstream culture, they can become, um, I guess, more dangerous. That's the word I'm looking for, dangerous. Sounds pretty scary, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, So when I reached out to my community, some other things that people wanted to no longer see in 2018, um, one of them was ordering gluten-free when you're not gluten-free. Um bringing smoothies to work in the mason jars and then leaving the brown bits in the smoothies. And I am totally guilty. I used to be that person when I worked in a like actual work setting. So my apologies to any of my coworkers if it grossed them out. Um, and I feel like there was another one. Oh, waist trainers. I don't think these are necess- like specifically a 2017 trend. And I may just be super out of the loop because I haven't been paying attention to a lot of this stuff anymore. I don't know if they're as popular, but if they are, I definitely think that waist trainers need to go as well. 
But what are some things that should continue for 2018 or what things am I excited to see more of? Um, The first is more mind-body wellness. So this year, we've started to get a lot more spiritual. Like spirituality is super trendy right now, which I absolutely love because it feels safe for me to come out of my spiritual closet. Um, You know, Pilates and yoga and spending time in nature, all of these things are becoming much more popular. And I really hope that this is not so much of a trend as it is a shift in consciousness and that people are just becoming more aware of the need to like turn in and connect with themselves and the world around them and to do so in a very holistic and balanced way. So I'm super, super excited to see more of that in 2018. Um, Another thing that I'm absolutely loving is seeing super badass chicks kill it in the gym doing heavy weightlifting, whether they're like training for powerlifting competitions or weightlifting competitions or not. I absolutely love seeing girls walk into the gym, not like go straight to the cardio machines and go to the barbell and pick up a heavy fucking barbell. I absolutely love it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more women become empowered to do these things and to not be afraid of looking stupid or worrying about what people will think. So girls, let's keep taking over the gyms in 2018. And finally, I'm also excited to see the mushroom grow in popularity. And as you've probably seen on my Instagram stories or you've seen on different social media feeds, um, medicinal mushrooms are super hot right now. So I've been drinking chaga tea, like not on my own, but I've been, when I go out to places that serve it, I love getting chaga tea and that's been around for like a really, really long time, but it started to rise in popularity maybe like three or four years ago. But especially now that like, I think we're all starting to realize how fucked up our bodies actually are, like our hormones and our metabolisms and things like that and our adrenals. So adaptogens are becoming very popular and some really great adaptogens are medicinal mushrooms. So there's like lion's mane and there's reishi and there's chaga. Um, and there's a brand that I absolutely love called Four Sigmatic and I've been loving their mushroom coffee. Mushroom elixirs I'm not super hot on right now, but the coffee, yes. So I'm really excited to see more like natural healing aids coming into the mainstream in 2018. So that was a lot of talking. It was a lot of ranting. So if you stuck with me right till the end, thank you. And again, thank you for being a listener of the Daily Sweat Podcast. It is my pleasure to be able to share all of this stuff with you and to be able to hang out in between your ears and talk to you. So I want to hear from you. Leave a review on iTunes and tell me what is a trend that you would love to no longer see in 2018. So visit me on iTunes, leave a review, let me know what you thought of the show, if you thought it was great, if you thought it sucked, whatever. But also tell me what is something that you don't want to see anymore in 2018. And I'm really looking forward to reading your responses. I will leave you with that, friends. We will be back in action in January for the next phase of the Daily Sweat Podcast. I hope you have an amazing holiday season doing whatever you choose to do or choose not to do. And yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Have a wonderful day.